Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. Numbers chapter 23. I'm going to read verses 7 through 12 and then 18 through 24. Let's start in verse 7 of chapter 23 of Numbers. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. Oracle. Balak brought me from Aram, the king of Moab, from the eastern mountain. Come, he said, curse Jacob for me. Come, denounce Israel. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? From the rocky peaks I see them. From the heights I view them. I see a people who live apart, do not consider themselves one of the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob or the number or number the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous, and may my end be like theirs. Balak said to Balaam, What have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies, but you have done nothing but bless them. He answered, Must I not speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? Now jump with me, if you will, to verse 18, and we're going to read through verse 24. Verse 18, then he uttered his oracle, Arise, Balak, and listen. Hear me, son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. I I could preach right there. Put your finger right there. I could preach right there. There's a lot of people that I, that they say God said something, but he must have changed his mind. Y'all don't deal with stuff that I have to deal with sometimes. I tell you, God, right here, God, he, he don't just change his mind. Some folks think God changes his mind all the time. Some of us change our mind. I, I'm going to go on. Y'all ain't feeling that. I, I just felt that. I could stop and preach on that, but I'm not going to. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot change it. No misfortune is seen in Jacob. No misery observed in Israel. The Lord their God is with them. The shout of the king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. They have the strength of a wild ox. There is no sorcery against Jacob, no divination against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel, see what God has done. The people are like a lioness. They rouse themselves like a lion that does not rest till he devours his prey and drinks the blood of his victims. I want to speak to you. This is actually going to be two parts. This today is the first part. I'll continue it next week. I want to preach to you on the subject, destruction and seduction, the battle for your soul. And this week, we're going to focus on that first part, the destruction part. Would you stretch your hands this way and ask that God would anoint me as I do the same for you? Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for sunshine. Thank you that warmer weather is on the way. And Lord, I got to thank you. Thank you for colder weather. I know we need it, but Lord, it ain't my favorite. But thank you, God. I thank you for everything you do for us. Lord, I thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice. God, what a great crowd here at 9 a.m. today. 
And I pray, Lord, that you'd open every heart, mind, and spirit. I pray the seed of the Word of God would fall onto good ground and produce a hundredfold harvest in Jesus' mighty name. Now, I ask that you'd help me today. Anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought and speech that is so absolutely necessary to do what you've called me to do, oh God. Let me say what you won't said, nothing more, nothing less. Today I want to preach the word. I pray that, Lord, it would be like the prophet Jeremiah said, that the word of God would be like fire shut up in my bones. Lord, touch me physically, God, whatever congestion this is, God, I just pray that you just heal that. Let me be able to preach your word effectively today. God, I, I thank you and I praise you for everything that you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name I pray and everybody said, Amen. Before you're seated, would you turn around to three or four people, give them a fist bump, and tell them, I'm glad to see you at the 9 a.m. service this morning. Whether you know it or not, there is a battle going on for your soul. The forces of hell are doing everything within their power to try and destroy you and cause you to turn away from God. You know, and really we get so stuck on ourselves, and even Christianity today we get all about us, but really it's not even so much about us. It's not that we're that valuable to Satan or he thinks that we're, it's really all about Satan getting at God. Because when you read back, you find that Satan, he is a fallen angel, Lucifer, that rebelled against the Lord. And the Lord, after casting him out of heaven and a third of the angels of heaven with him, the Lord then created man. Can I tell you today that we are the replacement? Satan was the leader of praise and worship in heaven. And God then put us on earth to praise and to worship him. And because Satan hates God so much, Satan wants to do what he can to get to us to get to God. Now, how many of you here, you've got children? Can I see your hands? If you've got children, raise your hand. Come on, Jared. I see you. That's a, you can do that now. Um, if you've got children, then you know I've learned this now, that listen, you can do a lot of stuff to me, and I don't really care. I can overlook it. It can roll off my back. I've got thick skin. But you know, it's a whole lot different when you do something to my children. It's something about a parent. Can I tell you, that's what the enemy, that's why he wants to come against you and destroy you. It's because he wants to get at God as much as he can because he knows to God. You are special. To God, he, he loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son. Man, y'all are quiet this morning, but that's all right. I can see I'm just going to have to move along and not expect any amens this morning. But I'm thankful that God loved us so much that he gave his son for us, that he died for us, that, that we are the apple of his eye. God does love you. To God, you are special. And it's because of that that Satan has been doing this since the very beginning of man. He came to the Garden of Eden. He deceived Eve and, and tempted Adam, and they fell there in the garden. It's been going on 
At this point in Numbers chapter 23, we find the nation of Israel, God's people. We find that at this point, they have come out of Egypt. They were slaves for 450 years to the Egyptians. And God brought them out under the leader named Moses. They had come out of Egypt. They had crossed the Red Sea miraculously. They were making their way to the promised land. And already, God had used them and defeated, I believe it was the Amalekites, they had already defeated. And, and because of that, as they were making their way, and now they come to a land named Moab. And if you're familiar with the Bible and scriptures and Moab, Moab always represents the world. If, if you're familiar, and maybe, just maybe, I'm still praying and going that way, probably Probably in February sometime, I'm going to get back. I've preached a little bit on Ruth before, uh, but in Ruth, we find uh, the land of Moab. It represents the world. And as they come now close to Moab on their way to the promised land, the king of Moab, whose name was Balak, everybody say Balak. We're going to have two names that are very similar. I don't know why God does that in a lot of these stories, but that's just what he does. But we've got two guys. We've got one guy named Balak. He is the king of Moab. And then we have a a character. I'm just going to leave it at that. His name is Balaam. Everybody say Balaam. Uh, and I'll, I'll get into it a little bit more, probably even more next week uh, than this week in Balaam. But, but now Israel has come, and they are on the outskirts of Moab. And Balak, the king of Moab, is very, very nervous because he has seen what God did to the Egyptians. He has seen what God had done to the Amalekites. And he is afraid of what is going to happen uh, to Moab once if they, God decides to take them through Moab. Can I just tell you something? I want to give you a little secret today. The devil is more scared of the church than the church should be of the devil. You know, he really fears what would happen if the church were really doing what God has called us to do. The Satan is scared to death that when the church of the living God decides to get down on her knees and seek the Lord. Can I tell you that the church cannot be stopped? Somebody say amen. We find the enemy here working. He, he, we find him trying to destroy Israel through the Moabites. Now, you've heard me say this if you've heard me preach a time or two, but I'm going to give it to you again because it's important. Remember this, it is always the devil that is behind every attack in your life, and you must always be careful to know that people are not your enemy. Can I tell you, you'll get in a mess if you start labeling individual people as your enemy. It is always the devil that is trying to destroy you. Now, I know that he can use people. He'll use people. He'll use situations. And this is another sermon for another day, so don't listen to me closely here. Sometimes even Christian people, if we're not careful, we can end up being used by the devil. 
not possessed by the devil, but we end up can end up being used by the devil if we're not careful and we let the flesh take the better of us and we're not led by the Spirit. But that's another sermon for another day. Regardless of any of that, I remind you that we must always put the focus on where the focus needs to go when you are looking at your enemy. Your enemy is not your boss. Your enemy is not that person you go to school with. Your enemy is not that co-worker that you have that drives you crazy. Your enemy is not your mother-in-law. Your enemy is not, it's not a person. Your enemy is Satan, the devil. Israel here represents the church. Romans chapter 11 verse 17 tells us that we have been grafted in to the family of Abraham. And I believe it's because of this in many of these Old Testament stories, we can, as we interpret it through the lens of grace in the New Testament, we can find so many truths of what God wants to show us. And so I want to give you a few uh, throughout these next couple of weeks. The first thing that we look at this morning in this subject of destruction, the battle for your soul, is that number one, God's people can't be Cursed. Would you look at me? Uh, look with me at verse number eight, the second part of verse number eight of chapter 23. Look at that with me, if you will. He says this, or let's just look at that whole verse. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not cursed? Denounced. Now, let me, let me bring you up to speed here. Uh, verse 23, let me, I need to give you that. There is no sorcery against Jacob, no divination against Israel. It will now be said of Jacob and of Israel, see what God has done. So let me bring you back up to speed. I got to catch you up a little bit more. I told you they were here on, on the edges of Moab. And Balak, the king of Moab, was nervous. And so Balak then hired a guy named Balaam. Everybody say Balaam. He hired a guy named Balaam to put a curse on Israel. Now, Balaam is a very, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to try to lie and act like I know it all. Balaam is a very confusing character in the Bible because Balaam was almost like a prophet and he was almost like some kind of sorcerer. He was a, a weird, weird character in the Bible. But Balak, the king of Moab, hired this guy Balaam to put a, me does have have some power. Can I tell you that there truly is power? There is occultic power. Whether you know this or believe this or not, and I know many of you that are from other countries besides America, you realize this a little more because in some nations you see this a lot more than we do. But a lot of times here in America, we kind of step back and we're like, oh, there's no such thing as witchcraft. There's no such thing. Can I remind you that there is such thing as witchcraft, that there is such thing as sorcery, that the enemy does have have a limited amount of power that we, the people of God, have absolutely no business dabbling in. If you've never heard a pastor tell you this, I know I have before, but if you've never heard me say this, let me just say it. Christian people, you have no business messing with a horoscope. You have no business messing with a Ouija board. You have no business dabbling in those types of things. Balaam, obviously, was famous for his powers of some sort. 
I mean, this guy Balak wouldn't have went to the trouble of trying to hire him if he didn't. So apparently, which again, this is such a confusing character, this guy Balaam obviously had done this sort of thing before somehow, and so Balak decided to hire him. Now, can I just tell you that Israel had faced black magic, if you want to call it that, before the power of the enemy. I take you back to Egypt, because when God spoke to that guy I mentioned earlier, Moses, and said, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And Moses like, who do I say? So you said, you tell him, I am sent you. And he's like, here's what I want you to do, Moses. One of the things that he said, he, he said, I want you to take your rod. And he said, Right there in the presence of Pharaoh, I want you to drop that rod, and that rod is going to become what? It's going to become a snake. And he said, then after you pick it back up, grab its tail, pick it back up, it's going to become a serpent again. Well, Moses busts up in Pharaoh's throne room there, and, and he, he does just that. He, he says, listen, God said for you to let his people go, and, and you need to do that. And here, I got something for you here. Drops that rod, it becomes a snake. Well, then what does the Bible say? And I got to say, if I was Moses, I'd kind of be like, ooh, I'd be kind of worried for a minute because the Bible said that Pharaoh's magicians did what? They did the same thing. They took their staffs and they dropped them down, and, and those staffs then became serpents. However, that ain't the end of the story because what happens after that I, listen I'm honest I'm, I'm human I think if I'd have been Moses and Aaron standing there I'd been like oh man that was a that was a big thing I had going there and they done done the same thing but the Bible said that it wasn't long and the snake that Moses' rod had become went and ate all the rest of the snakes that Pharaoh's magicians, and then Moses picks it up, and it then becomes a staff. Can I just remind you today that God's power is always greater than Satan's power. I didn't come here to brag on the devil. I just came to give you a little warning here today and remind you that, yes, he has power, but First John 4 and 4, tells us that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Yes, Satan has power. Yes, there's power in the occult. Yes, there's power in those things. But I need to remind you today that you don't have to be afraid of witches. You don't have to be afraid of warlocks. You don't have to be afraid of magicians because the power that is within you is greater than any other power in this world. Give God praise secondly we find a lot of statements in this I don't have time for everything but the second thing I want to bring out to you today is that God's power cannot be denounced look again look again at verse 8 how can I curse whom whose God is not cursed and how can I denounce those whom the Lord has not Denounce. If you're reading from the King James Version, King James uses the word defy. It comes from a Hebrew word. I'm probably not pronouncing it right. Zawam. It means to foam at the mouth, i.e. to be enraged, abhor, abominable, be angry, defy, have indignation. You look up to do something impossible. It means to confront with assured power of resistance like defying public opinion. 
A word denounce means to pronounce, especially publicly, to be blameworthy or evil, or to announce formally the termination of as a treaty. So I find in this, this word contains many truths for us to stop and look at. Number one, as it means to pronounce, especially publicly, to be blameworthy of evil. You see, it doesn't matter what anybody says about you as long as you know what God says about you. See, I got a little bit excited today. I can't even remember which one of them songs it had, but it started saying this, that very idea there, that you don't have to worry about what anybody else has to say about you as long as you know what God says about you. I need to speak into somebody's life in this 9 a.m. service here today and tell you, I don't know what your mama said about you. I don't know what your daddy said about you. I don't know what your third grade teacher said about you. I don't know what some ex-spouse or boyfriend or lover or whoever they were said about you. But I'm here to tell you today, don't you worry about what anybody else has said about you. You just worry about what God has said about you because his words are the only words that are going to last for all of eternity. If God says you're blessed, you're blessed. If God says you're his chosen people, you're his chosen people. If God says you're anointed, you're anointed. If God said you're the apple of his eye, you are the apple of his eye. And it don't really matter what anybody else said about you. The second truth I pull out of this, I told you it meant to challenge to do something impossible. You see, it doesn't matter how impossible it may seem. It's, this was an impossible situation. This is not some mighty army that's been training for years. This is not, you can jump ahead in time and you can look at the reign of David when he was king. It would be safe to say then, you know what? Them dudes was ready for battle. They fought all the time. They had weapons. They were trained. It would be safe to say, you know, them guys, yes, they had the favor of the Lord. I'm not taking that. But they were, but at this point, all these folks knew was working for Pharaoh for free. They had been slaves to Pharaoh for all of their lives. They were not warriors. In fact, the, the Pharaoh kept weapons out of their hand on purpose so that they would not be able to revolt or rebel. And so now for a, a group of former slaves to think that they are going to go and take over a land that has got giants, a land that has got fortified cities, a land that would seem impossible, wasn't it? But the good thing is, it doesn't matter how impossible it may seem. It doesn't matter. He's Balaam said, how can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? He was saying to Balak, Boy, it doesn't matter what you think. You may not want them to come through here, but God has done promised them that land. He promised it to Abraham, and it's going to come to pass. Can I tell you something here today? Jesus said in Matthew 19 and 26, with God, all things are possible. You need to take that word and get it in your spirit and know that there is nothing that is impossible with you when you have God on your side. Give God praise here this morning. We find also in that 
It meant to confront with assured power of resistance. In parentheses, as to defy public opinion. Folks, here we sit. Here we sit in 2024. And in this land of the free, home of the brave that I've lived in all of my life, early in my life, I would have never thought it. But you know what? Today, the church, we sit at a time where if we're going to truly tell what God said and do what God has told us to do, it's going to sometimes defy public do. But here's the great thing that I know, that hell cannot resist the church. Remember the context of this story. The context is we've got a group of liberated slaves on their way to take over a land that God promised them, a land that they are still over their own right now, a land that you don't have to turn on the news, and before long, you'll see something talked about about the land of Israel. You see, Israel this world for Christ. God did not call us to come and to sit on our hands. He did not call us to just build some nice, comfortable churches and just settle in and be comfortable. I believe that we are on our way to the promised land, and Jesus Christ has called us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He has called us to go into all the world and making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And Jesus then said in Matthew 16 and 18, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can I tell you something? People have said during COVID, they said, well, the church is over with. It's never going to be the same. Well, praise God, we won't be the same as we were because we weren't quite, I believe, what God wanted us to be. But there will always be a church as long as the Lord is still tarrying. Thirdly, we find this. Y'all probably don't want to shout as much with this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Look at, look at verse 9 there, chapter 23. From the rocky peaks I see them. From the heights I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. We would read later on, Scripture tells us, for you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people who should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Can I just tell you, we have been called to be different. We've been called to be sanctified, set apart, we cannot just simply blend in with the world. I won't ever forget, it was late 90s, and I turned on a, turned on a program. I'll tell you, because that church, the church, the building is there, but it's a whole different church now, so I don't even care. It was Earl Park Jr.'s church, Earl Park Sr., some of you ones that like me, you've been around this thing a little bit. Earl Paul Sr. used to be in the Church of God. Used to, I believe he was one of our general overseers. If not, he was an official, I know. And so Earl Paul grew up in the, in the Holy Ghost Sanctified Church. 
And I won't ever forget in the late 90s, I heard one of the first messages like this I heard. This, it wasn't Paul, but it was somebody in his pulpit preaching. And he said, God has called us to be camouflage Christians. I'm like, oh. Said he's called us to blend in. And you know, I, I was I was just young preacher. I was actually in MIP. I was a senior in high school. I was in MIP at the time. And I was like, hold up a second. That don't sound right. God has not called us to just blend in and do everything. You, you've not been called to be a spy. Come on, somebody. Hey, spies, yeah, they just kind of try to blend in, and they just try to go. But you haven't been called to be a spy and just blend in. Now, I know what happens. Sometimes if you're old enough and you hear that word sanctification, for the girls, you think, does that mean that I got to start wearing blue jean skirts down to the floor and no makeup and put my hair up in a beehive? Some of y'all ain't got a clue what I'm talking about, and some of y'all are like, I hope that's not what you're talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is this that we live holy lives, that we don't talk like everybody else in the world talks. We don't do what everybody else in the world does. That God didn't call us to just come in and be camouflaged Christians, but he called us to do what? And when Balaam looked down at Israel, he said, these are a people who live apart. They are different. I look on them, and they are different. There's something about them. God help the people of God. That we're not just defined by a brand of clothing or a style of clothing, but in the way we talk, in the way we live, that people would look at our lives and say there is something different about them and I need to know what it is. Fourthly, verse 20 says this. He said, I've received a command to blessed. He has blessed. Who? God is who is blessed. And Balaam saying to Balak, and I cannot change it you see what the enemy has tried to destroy you with god will turn it around and bless you with it you see balak had hired balaam three separate times they start out in one place they make some sacrifices and instead of cursing, out of Balaam's mouth comes blessings. And, and, and old Balak said, well, let's just move over here. Let's move over a different place. Let's do a couple more sacrifices. And Balaam says, all right, let me talk to God. And he opens his mouth. And a second time, blessings come out. And then a third time, they move over into another spot. One of those times, Balak is like, well, let's just look at part of them. The first time they can see about everybody, let's just look at a little part. Maybe you can maybe you can curse that section. Maybe you can curse the this section over here of the church. Maybe you can't get the whole church, but maybe just this section you can get a hold of. And the third time, he gets up there, and they do the sacrifices, and Balaam comes back and says to Balak, and begins to bless them again. Can I tell you that like Balak, Balak represents Satan. He is the enemy that is trying to destroy you, but God is letting you know that even the garbage that the enemy tries to bring in your life to destroy you ends up being the very thing that blesses you. Hey! 
Don't you think that just because you're going through a little bit of a hard time that God doesn't love you or God doesn't care about you because God will take those things if you'll let him and have patience and bless. Take the things that are supposed to be destroying you and turn around and bless you with it. Stand with me if you will, please, this morning. Book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 37 through 39 says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The enemy has set out. He has set out to take you down. And the enemy will try. He'll try to destroy you. But God sent me by here this morning to remind you that he don't have the power. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. You ain't got to worry about that. But unfortunately, it's not the case. We've got to be careful. Scripture says be careful. that you don't fall yourself. Every single one of us has the possibility of, as James says, being drawn away by our own lusts, enticed, seduced by the enemy and the sin. One more time, let me say it. Your sin may not even be a sexual sin. Your sin may be unforgiveness. Your sin may be pride. Your sin may be greed. It's all sin. It's all destructive. So here's what I want this to be this morning. It's not quite time to get out of here because I want us to have a little time in these altars. So what's the answer? Well, I believe in the case of this message as we find it, Phineas was zealous for the Lord. Here's my prayer for us today, and I'm going to ask you to join me here in these altars in just a few moments to pray, Lord, I want a zeal for you. I want a zeal for your holiness. I want a zeal to bring honor to your name. Can that it ties together because if we're going to bring holiness and honor to uh, if we're going to bring honor to God's name it's going to mean we as his bride will live in holiness so if you're here today and you say pastor I want to be zealous for the Lord I want to live a life that is holy this is not an altar call listen if you're here and you are 
just steeped in sin and living it like, hey, you come too. God will forgive you. This is not just for that. This is for anyone that says, I want the zeal of God to live for him that Satan is not able to use his greatest tool and seduce me into sin. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.